Welcome to another episode of the Sin Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me as usual is X. How you doing, everybody? I've been playing in my oven. <laughs> I'll yes. rub it in. Rub it in. He <laughs> well, didn't have it on or anything, so it's kind of stationary. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like Sylvia Plath Day here at the house, so. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. How are you, man? I think he's asking you how you're doing. X, how are you, man? Oh, I thought you were talking to Mike. I'm sorry. I'm 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 well. I'm sitting here watching um, the apocalypse roll in up from Oak Ridge. It's storming here tonight, but beyond that, everything's dandy. Perhaps <laughs> even swell. That's, that's a good word, swell. I'll bring that back. <laughs> oh, but with us um, as usual, and I hope hope as usual is uh, one Jamie Sammons. How are you? I am doing okay. Thank you very much. Um, it's, been, it's just been a weird, been a weird week or so. Yeah, anything you want to get into? Oh, we'll get it later on, I'm sure. And then uh, the special segment we all love to talk stuff about. And uh, yeah, yeah, at least something's <laughs> going to pop up there. At least. <laughs> yes. But uh, with us, um, this is the onlyest guy that ever brought us to number one on the Legion feed, and I, I, I think that I like that he has something to do with that. And. Uh, He's uh for the Projection Booth podcast. Kind of kind of solo now because Rob's kind of in and out. Mister Mike White, how you doing, sir? And in and out and in and out. I love it. I love it's it. Like I tell him like don't that's... stop. 
That squeeze box, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, most definitely. You're always, you know, always welcome. <laughs> as long as I you think this time. may be the first time that I've recorded with you that wasn't on your show. Is that I, accurate? I think you're right. Yes. That's exciting. You're in my house now. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, we just do what she tells us to do, Mike, you know, except for like, you know, she has to start making out or something like that. I love X like a brother. I just don't love him like that. Yep. Touching beers and stuff, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> that's, that's no bueno, you know. <laughs> beers at play. Oh, I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but yeah, as usual, and I'll start with Mike. Have you watched anything good lately? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what the last good thing that I saw was. Um, we're actually we're doing an episode on uh, Grand Illusion, and I've watched that quite a few times over the last few weeks, and that was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, just fuck that rules of the game shit. Grand Illusion, that's where it's at. Renoir forever. Woo. <laughs> Well, at least you can say he's not enthusiastic about it. No, I'm serious. You know, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What is that, Mike? Oh, it's an old. Uh, it's actually it's a war movie from 1938 without any war in it, which is kind of interesting. Like the the um, the battle scenes are not there. The uh, big air battle that they have, where they shoot down these French guys, isn't there. But um, it really doesn't matter because the human relationships are so important. So it's a really fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's kind of like we bust our friend Suzanne's balls all the time, or her metaphorical balls, about the house that dripped blood not having any blood in it whatsoever. You know, cause <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a misnomer, really. You know. Well, that's why they call it the Grand Illusion, because you know you might think you're seeing a war film, but no. Yeah, but at least in the title, it gives you an inkling that they, this all may be an illusion. Right. Right. That, that the house that dripped blood just has a lot of boringness and no whatsoever. But does it have a house? It does have a house, yes. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but it doesn't deliver on that second part. It's like when, when I watch when, when I watch shoot him up with Clive Owen. He's shooting oh. people. He, he's killing all kinds of people in that movie. You know, <laughs> up, down, left, and right. Yeah. So it, it delivers on the title, and uh, I like movies like that. You know. <laughs> uh, anything else, Mike? Are interesting. I've been watching a lot of kids' movies with the grandkids, so uh, yeah. If you you know, sing, I have to say, actually not too bad. They actually make a Shuby Taylor reference at one point in the movie, so uh, uh, actually uh, was very surprised to hear Shuby in a mainstream Hollywood kids' film. Nice. I've been I've been watching those myself. They'll come out and when I talk about what I've been watching. <laughs> but um, Jamie. Yes. What you been watching? Have I mentioned? The Devil's Candy on on here. You mentioned the Devil's Candy a lot everywhere else. So I, well, I know, if but if I haven't to. mentioned it here, then I must because go for it. Well, Devil's Candy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it is uh, uh, fantastic. It quickly soared to my number one of the year so far, and um, I recommend highly that people, especially you, X, have you seen it? I have not. You should see it. Uh, see I'm aware. It. Devil Movie Man. Um, it's a, it's amazing. It really is. And Ethan Embry, as uh, he does such an incredible job. Actually, all the performances are fantastic, and it's just it's stunning. It looks fantastic as well. I mean, it, it's I can't recommend it enough. So, 
there. There's that. I'm also still watching Feud, uh, which I'm loving every second of, and it makes me sad when uh, when the episode is over because I love some Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, and this uh, this uh, Ryan Murphy has just put together an incredible show here. So that's really fun. Recently, watched the Walking Dead season finale which we will be talking about on the upcoming Evil episodes, which I'm excited to say that Matt Wessel will be joining us for. So if uh, any of you out there are Skeleton Crew listeners, then you may have heard him there or his own show, Banana Laser, so, or, which is, I'm not sure what their future holds, but uh, they've been kind of in and out. But uh, that was a really fun show, too. So he's a great guy. He's really fun to talk to, so we're excited to have him on evil episodes to talk about the walking dead season finale. And then I'm trying to think if there's, I always do this. I always, I'm never prepared, but um, that may be it for right now. Just, I mean, the usual stuff, Bates motel and things, but I'm trying to think if there are any other standout films and I am drawn a blank. So I guess not. Fair enough. X. Uh, a few things. Had to um, revisit the ninth configuration for the Theme Warriors podcast, and that is such a strange movie to experience. Um, I really enjoy it, and at the same time, I get really kind of frustrated with it, but I do love the dialogue. Nobody wrote dialogue like William Peter Blatty, and that thing is just rapid fire. So that's that's a fun one to pick up if you can. It's kind of an old one. Uh, still watching It's The Path on Hulu, which is a fantastic show, and that shit's getting crazy. And then WrestleMania happened, so I watched about 762 hours of wrestling nonstop. Uh, didn't sleep, drank a lot of sweet tea, uh, yelled a lot, cried a lot, had a really good time. So that's basically been the last week. Five and a half hours that was fucking WrestleMania. I went to bed, dude. <laughs> I went to bed. I'm an old man when it comes to these kind of things, so I missed the last two matches, but I can't say that I missed much, because Taker got retired by a talentless Samoan, and yeah, that that makes me sad in my, my, uh, in my 1990 shoes. Makes me very, very sad. Oh. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Anybody, so. Put, 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 um, put the hillbilly in there. What's his name? Uh, the one that's hanging with Carmella right now? The, the... James spin. Ellsworth. Yeah, that guy. Put that guy in there. He could be. He could be the Undertaker. <laughs> put, put, put Mikey Whipwreck in there. Get him out of retirement, okay? Any, put, Linda, any, put Linda McMahon back in there. That'd any, be a fun match. Anybody but Roman. Anybody, okay? Wow. <laughs> see, see that hatred just runs so deep. I, I don't hate him. He's just, he's just better as a heel. And when he didn't talk so much with the shield, that, 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 somebody asked that question: Why do people hate John Cena and Roman Reigns so much? I was like, well, I like John Cena as a man. It's just, you know, as a wrestler, I wish he would turn heel. And I wish Roman Reigns would turn heel again and not and not be too much talking. And people would like him better. Pretty sure that happened Monday night. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we'll um, see. My boss's but... son, his 12-year-old son, was on spring break. So his mom flew him down to go to WrestleMania. That's Can you... nice. <laughs> That's not something I would ever do. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a nice present. It's a nice gesture. You know, it is nice. It is nice. It's nice that he got to do it. Like they went to Disney on Saturday and then went to WrestleMania on Sunday, and 
and I'm sure then they're going to the poorhouse when they get back because <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, precisely. I think it's because like t- holy t- crap, Disney has gotten expensive. I think it's like two hundred dollars a day per person, and that's just for Disney. Something like that. It's ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah, they already own the world. <laughs> what more do they want? We all work for Disney now. <laughs> Oh yeah, that means you guys are gonna have to get rid of your facial hair. Hey, I don't, I don't work for the New York. Actually, no, they, I know they allow facial hair now, but for you know, for the longest time, they didn't. I don't work for the New York Yankees, honey. I, I can have my beard if I want to have my beard. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always judge that by way, with the way athletes act. I call it the the Johnny Damon, the Johnny Damon conundrum when he went to the Red Sox to the Yankees. You know, they had a meeting. That said, this ape is going to shake, cut his hair off and shave his face before he comes to play for the Yankees. And, you know, wouldn't you know, right as rain, first day of spring training, he was clean cut and without that beard. You put on that Yankee uniform, shit happens, you know? No, I'm done with that. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I um, like, like Mike, I, I hang out with small children occasionally. We go see killed kids' movies in the theater. And we saw Beauty and the Beast as one of them. And, uh... It's it's a pretty film, you know. It, it 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 didn't really break any ground as far as changing the story or anything, except for the fact that you know they said that the Gaston's little buddy LeFou was like apparently a super queer, and they they had to make sure that that was said before people wouldn't see that movie. And that's not so true because he was kind of gay for Gaston in, in that original animated film, and he just was a little more doting to Gaston, if you will, and. He locked eyes with a dude at the end, and I guess that's super gay, makes him super queer. And, and uh, but uh, the movie itself, you know, and I think I think me and Jamie talked about this on the phone actually. You know, I still have the same feelings that I do about the original Beauty and the Beast, to where you know, Belle is kind of a kind of a bitch who you know, if she would have just settled for Gaston, who's a man of his community, he's he's a war hero, he's a he's a a business owner. He's apparently well off, and you know he's he, he's not too douchey at the beginning of the film, but he gets more more and more progressively assholeish towards the end of the film because she wants to kill the he wants to kill the beast and you know risk her safety for doing that and whatever. But you know she can she can settle because she's kind of poor and she's got the father who builds trinkets for God knows who and yeah. So it taught me anything, you know. Maybe Belle should have just settled instead of the Stockholm syndrome and the bestiality and the singing candelabra and you know. But there's a huge market for trinkets. It, yes, trinkets indeed, but not like massive, like music, elaborate music boxes. To I guess he's delivering to I don't know who's delivering to, but yeah, you've seen the movie. He gets captured by the bees, blah 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 blah. But um, I watched another movie uh, the other day with. Wait, with you the, left out the best. You you left out the best thing you said on the phone. What's that? Which is clearly she should have gone for Gaston. The bitch needs money. She wears the same damn dress every day. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that aspect. Yes, she wears the same dress every day. Yes. Let me just state I would pay good American money to see a movie called Super Queer. Is it as good as Super Fuzz? God, I hope so. It's, it's, there may be some involved. Who knows? Oh, my God. But I also saw Boss Baby with the kids, and that was that was funny enough for the kind of movie it was. Basically, you took Gallic Baldwin's character, you put him in a diaper from Glenberry Glen, Ross, and you put him in that, that movie, and it's basically the same character, but he's a baby doing corporate things and trying to stop a corporation from expunging babies, which is... It's, there's always dire situations in these movies, and 
the fact that you want to eliminate babies and make, turn them in and replace them with puppies is kind of it's cutesy, but at the same time, it's kind of kind of vile in a way. That's mass baby. Uh, seems weird. That whole premise seems weird. <laughs> that's to that's me. basically what it's about. You know? he's, he's planted with this family to to uh, stop this corporation from a secret plan to replace babies with with dogs, and not like in a fun way, like in like in Pinocchio, where if, you, if you're evil, you turn into a donkey. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So could could there be like a cats and dogs crossover at some point? I would love to watch that movie, yes, indeed, because I have a soft spot for those cats and dogs movies, and <laughs> they're kind of really silly, but they're kind of really fun, and yeah, I can't explain. I want to see the Bruce Willis "Look Who's Talking" baby versus the Alec Baldwin "Boss Baby," and have them go at it. That's the next WrestleMania, right there. If you I think the- that's Unbreakable too. <laughs> if you throw the baby geniuses in there as like a like commando buffer. I'm fine with that, you know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Those things could, like, do do some strange uh, ADR stuff and do backflips and shit, so they're, they're they're good to go as far as a reliant uh, baby commando team, which there was in that movie. There was a baby commando team in that movie, but they were disguised as, as actual babies and whatever. I don't know. Babies, boss baby. Cookies are for closers. Uh, yeah. I did. <laughs> that's, that's the line of that movie. You know, I love it. I love it. So if you, if you love that, if you love that kind of thing, it's, it was it was really funny to see in a kids movie. Um, I've been watching The Flash more and more because I love it. I love The Flash, and uh, it's it's much. It, I I use this not even as a pun. The, the story moves a lot faster than an arrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because it, it had the advantage of being set up on Arrow. I think I've mentioned this before, but it, uh, the Barry Allen character started on Arrow. And the character was able to get good progression on that show before having its own show, obviously. And, uh, that's fun. Uh, what else? I watched, uh, Wise Guys with Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo, which I've never seen before. And it was, a this is a first-time watch. And it was funny enough. It was it was really, really weird to see Captain Lou Albano really clean-cut as, as a hitman, hitman named uh, Frankie the Fixer. And, uh, but they had good chemistry, so it wasn't it wasn't hilariously funny, but the chemistry between DeVito and Joe Piscopo were uh, was was pretty great, and uh, I recommend it if you didn't see it before. Good good silly mob fun. Um, I re I rewatched a lot of stuff. Karate Kid two and three, that that was a thing. Lawnmower Man two, which is really dumb, but I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Just Max Hedrum trying to control the internet, and you know, just much like on a television show. But the internet didn't exist, didn't exist back then, so whatever. I uh, watched Toy Soldiers. You just had uh, the director on your show, Mike, which is pretty sweet. I was uh, I, I was hoping for more Toy, Toy, Toy Story Soldiers, but that wasn't what that show was about. So, <laughs> sorry. I, no, I love Toy Soldiers. It's one of those films that I I, I watch constantly, and I I've got to meet a couple of the folks from the movie. That makes me excited too. Um, besides that, no really other new stuff. I keep saying I'm going to go see movies for myself, but I just go see movies with my family, and that's how you get stuck in that, that kid movie hump, and yeah, that's that's what you get, people. But that's uh, about it for me. Um, our next segment usually would be the Beef of the Week, but I am changing that because of Jamie's response to the Beef of the Week, these last couple weeks at least. So the new segment, same feel, Garrett Graham isn't going anywhere, people. It's beef, bitches, and mashed potatoes. 
Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Now, Mike, um, at this point in the show, where you you basically you know air your grievances, much like on Seinfeld during Festivus. So, Mike, what's pissing you off, sir? Oh, jeez. Um, I don't know if I have anything that's really pissing me off, other than the current administration. Oh, okay. Seriously, I could not tell from your Facebook feed. Yeah, I either. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just so quiet and humble about the situation, you know. Although yeah, yeah. you know, and, and you know, I. Not that I disagree with anything you say, because that is not at all the case. Um, I would, if I were you, I would throw out being ticked about that Twitter asshole who was like, I followed you for, I followed you for a movie. <laughs> Talk about your personal, or, you know, whatever he said. I don't remember. He was being a dick, though. Right, right. Well, actually, I am kind of pissed off right now because I've been going back and forth. This has happened to me twice over the last couple of weeks where I've been going after some more mainstream popular actor type guests. So I've been uh, putting together an episode on Existence and I'm putting together an episode on LA Confidential. And both times I've sent out, you know, mass like, okay, I'm going to, I want to request interviews with Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law and Ian Holm and just on down the line. Same thing today, Danny DeVito, Kevin Spacey, Kim Basinger, you know, just all the way, you know, Russell Crowe, everybody. And then I keep getting these responses back from agents where they're just like, who else is on the show? That's like, um, right now I, I just sent you an email. Uh, so I don't really know yet. Uh, yeah, let me know who else you get, and then maybe we'll talk. And it's like, okay, do you need a buddy system or something? Like, you can't have just your person on this show? Wouldn't you want them to actually be, like, the only guest on the show? Like, you know, if I was Danny DeVito's person, I would think it would be like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Let's get Danny on there. Uh, is there anybody else? No? Okay, great. He's this the star of the fucking show. That's fantastic. But no. So now it's just this whole weird, who else is going to be on there? And then, um, like, Danny DeVito's person spe- especially is just like, you know, um, you need to answer the question, who else is going to be on there? And I'm like, I just sent out requests, so I'm not really sure yet. Um, here's my co-host. It's a well-known professor who's actually hosting a thing at TCM Film Fest this week. Yeah, no, you need to get bigger names. Like, Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, really, how much credibility does Danny DeVito have left? I mean, I, I love It's Always Sunny, but he's a little bit, you know, he's got to be on his way out as far as credibility goes. You're forgetting I mean, you know, his groundbreaking work in Twins. Oh, oh yeah, he, definitely. He's, he's selling espresso machines. <laughs> what, in China or something? No, him and oh, George Clooney. Him and Clooney, yeah. Yes, yeah. the Nescafe stuff, I think it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's yeah. you work hard to get guests, Mike, and I, I I commend you for all the hard work you do and p- putting stuff out. And it, yeah, I, I'm really surprised that they didn't look didn't look into your your credibility as an interviewer because you've had some pretty big guests on your show. 
you would think and even when it came to Danny DeVito I was like well hey we you know I don't have anybody yet but here's episodes that we've done on you know uh, uh, Death to Smoochie and Batman Returns and we got some pretty darn good guests we got some really good numbers yeah he doesn't care Mm. you got Russell Crowe you got Russell Crowe yet (laughs) yeah I don't think that's going to happen Bring him on that romper but, stopper episode, man. To talk about yeah, that movie. But, but Russell, if you're listening, and I know you are, give me a call, babe. <laughs> JV. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just generally ticked these days about just stuff. Stuff's just happening. It's just one thing after another, and I'm tired of it. You know, it's just every time I turn around, something has to be repaired, and it's never, never anything easy. It's never anything little. It's big, giant things that have to be repaired, and it's wearing. It just it. I don't. It just it has seriously gotten to the point where just when something happens, when like this, like for instance, the stove dies, I just go. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> like it's of course because of course because why not you know, and I guess I'm not really accurately pissed about it. It's just frustrating, you know. Um, and it's life, and that's the way it is. And you know, it's it's all of that's what being a grown up is all about. But it's just sometimes it seriously feels like the universe is zeroing in on you and just chucking rocks at your head. And it's just since January has just been, I mean, this year has just been one huge thing after another. So I'm ready for that to be done. Like, I want things to just settle down for a second. Just settle. Kind of like Bill. Just settle, you know. Yeah. Before you know it, I'm going to be wearing the same damn dress every day. Oh, yeah. As long as it's clean, you know, never dirty, like like Stevie Wonder says, you know. (laughs) Living for the city. How would he know? Well, he wrote a song about it, Jamie, okay? Maybe somebody told him. I could be wearing a dirty dress and and just doing spins right in front of him. He wouldn't have a clue. He could feel All the right, well, maybe if he was maybe if I was doing spins, he might get a whiff of it. Yeah, his, it was senses, his senses are better than ours, Jamie, because he catches a whiff of the stank, okay? It's like, that dress smells four days dirty. I don't. T- my dresses don't typically get that dirty. Um, it's not like I spend the afternoons with Bill Clinton or anything. So, you know, I don't usually have. Well, that's that's a, that's that's a blue dress. That's <laughs> yes. That's 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 not that's not dirt. That's more of a substance, really. You can hide that, maybe. It's ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're stuck with the jizz jokes early, guys. Watch out! Watch out! Oh god! Anything else? I love when X does that. I love when X does that wheezy laugh. (laughs) That's great. Oh my god! Kind of a Dom DeLuise laugh. Yes, yes, it is. I don't know. It was his birthday. That that outfit from from Cannibal Run. What's the name? Captain Midnight. Yes. (laughs) Is that the dog that was Smedley? That is that the name or dead? Dastardly dog. What was the dog? Mutley. 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 Oh, okay. Mutley. Yes. <laughs> Dastardly was the guy. Oh, Smedley was the name of the zombie, and children shouldn't play with dead things before they actually changed his name. It was originally his name was Smedley, then they changed his name. Well, anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's just a random piece of bullshit. It's stuck in my head for no reason. <laughs> oh, man. X. You know. 
I'm I'm trying to think of something here for what is it now? Beats, Bears, Battlestar Galactica. Um, I think. I, see, here's I don't I don't have anything because I'm just not pissed. But I think if I would compare myself now to myself like a year ago, I'm probably way more pissed than I was a year ago. But I've grown so accustomed to it that the the like the standard has changed. So I'm not even sure when I have a beef anymore. I just I I don't know. I'm just constantly at this kind of high vibrational state. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Oh my god! <laughs> I so, thought your secret. I thought you were going to say your secret was that you were also at a high vibrational state. And I was like, <laughs> this has suddenly gotten very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I'm always the dummy, Mickey. Um, so anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything because anything I can mention just be like, yeah, but that's every day. That's not a big deal. Uh, yeah, me myself, you know, besides. Uh... The, the Taker debacle at WrestleMania, um, work stuff and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like X mentioned, it's just everyday stuff. I don't, I don't have too much to bitch about either. But I, I'll say something I'm happy about instead of in, in lieu of the the beef bitches and the mashed potatoes. But uh, um, I went to Heroes and Villains Fan Fest and I spent uh, two days there. I actually missed a missed a podcasting appointment with um, El Goro and I apologize for that. But I, I, I wasn't going to be around and. Jamie wasn't going to be around, and I I, I was detained with, with a charitable glee because uh, I got um uh, uh, some some neat items on on the free from uh, the the members of Team Arrow from from TV uh, and and Legends of Tomorrow respectively. They they signed some stuff for free for for the Fleas and Flicks auction. So if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, uh, you guys could come and bid on it. Um, as is, as this is recording, it'd be a week from Saturday. I'm hoping to be had this be out before before this upcoming Saturday. As I'm shooting for, but um, they were all. I, I, I never had this experience in all my time of going to convention where the handlers were so helpful and eager to help out instead of being money grubbing whores that don't give a fuck. So that's that's a new feeling for me. The the feeling of people being charitable in in that way and. That felt pretty great. I was, I was thinking about it days later, how, how good that felt. So, just, uh, yeah, if more folks were like that, I, I'd, uh, I'd be a lot more happy, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's my non-beef, my, my non-craziness. Uh, but, um, we're going to move on to our main feature now, being uh, fictional band issues. Three films, I think, in my opinion, one in, th- one in three-fourths of them are good, you know, but... We'll see how that goes in the show, but we're going to start. Are these issues that fictional bands have, or issues of bands that the issues themselves are fictional? Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that these may be things that actual. It's like you don't have, have an issue; you made that shit up. Yeah, people bitch too much about everything, so there you go. Like Oasis. <laughs> like, like Oasis, yes. <laughs> Well, that's more like alcoholism. Is there is there El Guapo? And, you know that's that that was an issue in that band and whatever. Um, we're gonna start with the one that I know Mike hates the most, so we're just gonna kick it off with that one, and hopefully we can only go upwards from there. Oh, fantastic! Yes, uh, being not fade away from 2012, and we'll get to that <laughs> right after the trailer. Starting a band like the Stones. I need someone to back me up on vocal. 
look at him. High heels. The Cuban heels. How come you never talked to me in high school? We talked once. You said something about the pencil sharpener. You have a good voice. I think we should all move to the village. There's a music scene there, not here. I could give a crap about music. You wouldn't understand being in a band. That's my true family. Your true family there. They're going to pay your enormous food bills, I assume. You got talent. Play seven nights a week, two shows a night. Call me in six months. We need to discuss what happens if you become man of the family. future either just the now i'll buy dinner the haircut is too much to ask but you show up at that restaurant without a tie and a jacket you and me gonna tangle my friend uh not fade away from 2012 Ooh, this movie's long as fuck i didn't notice that before set in suburban new jersey i did yuck <laughs> Set yeah, me too. It did go on and on. Set in suburban New Jersey, the night in the I guess in the nineteen sixties. That's bad syntax. In the nineteen sixties, a group of friends form a rock band and find and, and try to make it big. Uh, this stars a bunch of people that I don't know who the hell they are, except for James Gandolfini and uh, and Chris McDonald. Chris McDonald, yes, indeed, and and Brad Garrett shows up as well. But there's a bunch of up and covers from this movie. But this is a film that was uh, made by David E. Kelly, the maker of The Sopranos, I guess. Or David Chase, not David E. Kelly, David Chase. But I, I get that damn... I'm already fucking up as a podcaster. I'm not editing that out either. But um, I guess that's how they got Mr. Gandolfini, who could, who'd rather be anywhere else, but in this movie, you could tell. But um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to Mike first. Mike, uh, what do you think oh. of the film, sir? Well, I hope this doesn't ruin my chances of the interview with David Chase. I just uh, sent him a letter about because he he was a writer on Kolchak, so I've been trying to get him for that podcast. But uh, I'm just going to put it out there. Did not enjoy this movie at all. Um, I know people have come back and said, oh, I know it's not that good in insofar as there are no characters at all that you can actually uh, follow or care about, but it really captures the nostalgia of the age. Well, having grown up in the 70s and 80s and not the 60s, I don't really give a shit, and it could be accurate or not accurate, but I really I don't care about any of the people that are in here. At one point, I think... The the one protagonist who I thought was the guy's brother actually ended up being the guy instead. I was just like, I don't know who these people are. They all look alike. They all sound alike. They just they're a bunch of dudes and they're playing music and the music changes throughout the years. And I don't give a shit about anybody. I don't care about any of these people. Please, Mike, tell us how you really feel. Ooh. Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are these guys are from England, and who gives a shit? But they're not from England. They're from, like, the Midwest. So, yeah. They, and they, they got nothing going on. I mean, there's so many better movies about teens. There's better movies about rock and roll. I mean, for Christ's sakes, go watch The Commitments. You want to you, you see some struggling musicians? Go watch that. There's so many other better movies. And this is just, like, 
there's there's nothing to this, and the nothing goes on forever. At one point, I uh, I think it was right around the time that the one guy falls off the motorcycle or something. I pause the movie, and there's still 20 minutes left. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is just too much. Who cares? At least it ended their fictional band issues with that one splatter against the light pole there, you know. Thank God. <laughs> Give it up, guys. All you do is you play covers. You don't even write original songs. <laughs> they, had to cut, they had to cut that oh demo. I'm like, God. come on. Ugh. And the movie's called Not Fade Away, and I'm trying to remember if they even used the Buddy Holly song at no. all. I know they talked about music, but yeah, they, they had it. a lot of music from other better bands in the movie. So I just kept sitting there going, man, I wish I was watching a documentary about the Rolling Stones. Yeah, they love they love that them stones in this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where at the beginning I thought the movie was going to be about the Rolling Stones, and then it you know that was how the Rolling Stones began. My brother's band started in a much different way, and I was like, oh fuck. But you've never heard of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> and for good reason. <sighs> I have a quick question: Did anybody else, you know? I guess you, you're 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 a humble narrator in this movie. I guess was that dancing girl at the end? Anybody else oh, wish that she got killed by a drunk driver when she just you know spouted off at the mouth at the end there? Jesus! Just <laughs> get final destination right during her little dance. It would have been the perfect ending to this movie. The the movie that this reminded me a lot of was that thing you do. The movie that uh, was Tom Hanks directed, right? Uh, yeah, I think and, so. I, and. I, I don't have a whole lot of great things to say about that movie either, but I loved it so much more than this movie. I've watched that movie a lot. It's not really yeah, a big, it's not really a big had, confession. I've watched it a lot, though. Well, the wonders that that song was fantastic. You know, you got at least you got a catchy song and then the soundtrack. Yeah, it's true. Did anybody like this movie? I mean, am I just spouting off at the mouth? I like no. a, a line that was uttered in the movie that more, more than anything else in like five movies actually because it reminded me of my grandmother quite a bit. The, was, the it, part... was, in, was it when Christopher McDonald said, "What's with wearing all the lemon app- the, the lemon juice applicators?" No, 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 no. <laughs> it was. It was that the... may have been my favorite line. <laughs> it was the line that our, our, our I guess our main kid's mother uttered when they, he was going to go to to L.A. to I guess go to art school or be a musician. I forget what, what what point in the movie it happens and, and why I should care, but he he thinks she thinks this is the way my grandmother would have thought too that since there's a point in the movie where her older sister goes to is is tricked into going to a mental hospital. She they, she, she gets foiled and she gets taken away and because she's a, a a real real free thinker and a I guess an artist and that makes it crazy. But there, there's a line that the mother says. That their kids are going to be more born mentally challenged because the sister's crazy and they're related, and that's the that's the kind of forward thinking that my grandmother would have thought of by my very Italian grandmother, and that that made me laugh just you know thinking about yeah that's the way she would have reacted to that so uh yeah that 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 was that's wrong but I'm gonna t- ask Jamie what she thought of the movie now. Well, here's the thing: it's when it started out. I was actually excited about it because when we got the first meeting, um, the, the the black and white scene with that sort of gave you how the Rolling Stones started, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then it switched to color, and then she starts talking about her brother's band. I was still on board. I was like, okay, well, maybe this could be cool. And I liked the aesthetic of it. I thought it looked good. I, I was invested. I'm like, let's go. This is going to be really fun. And at that time, 
because I was watching this in the morning, I was like, damn, this could be good. I should, maybe I should wait till Brian gets up. <laughs> well, like an hour later, I'm like, damn, it's a good thing I didn't wake Brian up. Because <laughs> he'd have been bitching at me. But, <laughs> but it just, the, the main issues I had with it was that it, one, it went on and on and on, but didn't seem to go anywhere. And it didn't feel cohesive at all. I mean, we went over a span of several years and no one progressed. Like, you know, he went from high school to college, but nothing really changed. Um, nothing. There were things that were introduced that never went anywhere. Like we had this whole awkward conversation with his father about his father telling him that he had considered leaving his mother and and OK, uh, I was that could be something interesting, you know, and then nothing. It just, there was a lot of that. I just felt like there was nothing really tying this film together and it seemed to kind of jump. I didn't like the editing because it just seemed to jump from awkwardly from scene to scene and it would skip time. And the only way that I could ever really tell that time had itself had progressed was because we'd be at another awkward Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, another fight at Christmas or something like that, or him telling him one more time, he looks like he's fresh off the boat. I I was just, it, yeah, it just never seemed to do anything. And the band itself was it's like, they talked about it a lot and they seemed to do things. Only nothing ever really happened. And they didn't seem all that incredibly dedicated like he talks about oh i'm gonna move to uh all right whatever i don't even know i mean i just it, it was frustrating to me because it didn't feel like a cohesive story and it was so long i mean for god's sake if you're gonna give me practically two hours of a film try to say something you know and while i do feel that they captured the 60s in a lot of ways and we did get some cool like newsreel moments and things like that that's not enough you know i would watch the wonder years if i wanted that you know it's it i mean i think they did a much better job so it's it's just i don't know not worth my time sadly and it was a shame because it, I, like i said when it first started off i was interested and uh, i do have one question though at the very end of the film when he is, you know, walking around by himself, like right before the, I mean, I mean the very end and the car pulls up and you've got the, the chick with the painted face and she offers him a ride and she tells him he looks lonesome. And then he's like, no, like you're kind of weird. And he just, he declines and then they kind of laugh and drive off. Was that supposed to be someone? I mean, was that, should I know who that was? Like, was that a reference to something? Because it would be interesting if it was. Like, if it was, like, supposed to be, like, I don't know, Squeaky From or something. But, I mean, That's totally who it... I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to, like, give you shit. Really? Say, well, that was supposed to be Squeaky From. You didn't know that? Back when she was in Godspell. Yeah. Well, say, right. Um, well, I was just, I was like, you know, well, that could be interesting if you were going for something like that, like he dodged a major bullet. But then if you don't follow that up with something that kind of lets people know, then it's failed anyway. But I was just, did anybody, was that something I missed or did that, it was just nothing? I think it was just like nothing. Like he, he, had, okay. a, well, he had, he, he had no direction. Thing. His girl. If you're gonna do something like that and make it interesting, but that's my, that's what I felt about the entire movie is nothing was interesting. 
it's, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's like it's like poor Johnny Rico in Starship Troopers if he went to the to the mobile infantry for a girl and you know he went with this girl to Hollywood who apparently was notorious for giving a bunch of blowies to everybody and he didn't listen to any of his friends and then when she's blowing Mick Jagger apparently in the bathroom he's all surprised by it and you know so now he has just like before he has no direction so he's just gonna go wander down the road like David Carradine and shit but he he has no kung fu <laughs> skills. It did there. make me contemplate the differences of the generational gap between the the parents of those children and those children at that time versus now. And I was talking to Brian about this after. I'm like, think about it. You know, now I mean, people our age who have children uh, or who even who have teenagers, it's it, there's not as much of a gap. Because we still do a lot of the same things. You know, we still, people our age still play video games. We still listen to current music. We still, um, I don't know. What, I mean, it's, there are a lot of things that we have in common, even though I complain about some of the younger ones a lot. That's mainly just because they're spoiled brats who don't want to do anything for themselves. But, it's, <laughs> but as far as cultural differences, I don't feel there are as many. But if you look at the cultural gap between that generation and the one following, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a chasm. It's huge. Well, you, and you got the father who's like a World War II, I think he was, a, he was a World War II veteran or something. You got the son. He wanted to go into the war, but he didn't get to because he was making belt buckles, and you, yeah, it was it was important to the war effort, so he had to stay. You got the kid who's a, who's a pacifist, obviously, and who's a, against the draft, and I'm sure would go to Canada the first chance he got. Man, I've, I've heard stories from my mother about <laughs> neighbors shunning some kid in their neighborhood for for being a draft dodger, and you know that was a very real thing back in those days, and. Gandolfini wasn't having it, him talking anything about the war effort and the draft and like, you're gonna go, motherfucker, if you're gonna go, motherfucker. But he, he was a very angry guy when that subject came up. But, um, I guess that's pretty much all I have for it is, um, meh. X. What do you think, sir? I spent a lot of time during this movie coming up with alternate titles for this movie. Am I think I anything would have been appropriate because the one that they chose... They mentioned that song once in the very yeah. beginning of the movie, and that was it that I caught. Yeah, so my titles were You and Me Are Gonna Tangle, <laughs> what, would Char- <laughs> what Would Charlie Watts Do, and um, How to Smoke. <laughs> this movie's pretty thin, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of good music, but like Mike said, the characters are not so great. Especially our lead guy, who looks like, you know, Summerstock Miles Teller. He just comes off as a whiny boy. He's got this horrible, stereotypical family. Um, and like Gary said, you know, Gandolfini wants to be anywhere else. It just looks like Supra- Tony Soprano, like, joined the Witness Protection Program and got a brand new Italian family. And that was it. So, since I didn't care about the characters... And I didn't believe for a second that the guy survived that motorcycle crash because, you know, he's not Gary Busey. He's not immortal. Um, And that ending with the dancing girl bugged the living shit out of me. So all that's left is the music. And I understand that Chase was using the band to kind of track musical history there for, you know, for a while, for a period of time. Um, 
And I don't think he did it correctly because wasn't there a point where they were kind of like they sounded like the Kinks for a minute, and then they had that song that the lead guy wrote, which sounded like a goddamned Eagles song, and then all of a sudden they were suddenly discovering Bob Dylan. How does that work? <laughs> How do you bounce from the Kinks to the Eagles and then back to Bob Dylan? That 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 makes no. That's not the timeline. So anyway, if there's a good thing about this movie for me personally. It was discovering that the song Omaha, which I thought was originally by the Golden Palominos, was actually a cover of an old Moby Grape song. So now I have to go listen to a lot of Moby Grape because that song is really groovy. And that was a gap I didn't even know I had. Well, how about that? It was a learning experience. It was a very small, a tiny learning experience, but I appreciated it nonetheless. So that's my one good thing to say about this piece of shit movie. Well, did I it was, bother anyone else that they seem to only recognize just a handful of, of I mean, in this film about music and where it's, it's like really the backbone of it, they'd only recognized it or just, well, rather, they might have tossed out a couple of other people here and there, but mainly it was Rolling Stones Beatles, Rolling Stones Beatles, Rolling Stones Beatles, and even when they went through that tracking shot in the record store, one person had a Rolling Stones album they were looking at. One person had a Beatles album they were looking at. And one person had a... Oh, you just... Fuck, you just said his name. Um, meh. Meh. Dylan? Um, Dylan? Dil- yes. And one person was looking at a Bob Dylan album. Like, and a lot it. of lead belly. A lot of lead belly. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm like, that's it? Can't you branch out a little bit? You know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think they, they said those kinds of music. Rolling Stones and the Beatles. I think they said Led Zeppelin one time. They said the words Led Zeppelin, and yeah. that that was pretty much it. I was hate fucking my volume control during this movie because every time they would speak, I'd be like, "Speak up, motherfuckers! I can't hear a word you're saying." And then they start playing music. I'd be like, "Fuck! My speakers are gonna blow out." <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a ride the fader sort of film. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Maybe that's what they meant by using the title, not Fade Away. Mm-hmm. Oh, I deserve, I deserve better than that. <laughs> Did he remind anyone else of Bobby C. from Saturday Night Fever? I kept, you know, Tom, you know, Tom, the, the little one. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, see that. The whole time, like, once he came back looking like he was fresh off the boat... And he was wearing the Cuban heels, and then every time I looked at him, that's what I kept thinking of. And I kept, kept expecting him to tell his friend that, you know, he got some girl knocked up, and now he's going to have to marry her. <laughs> See, I kept thinking he was actually a different character when he came back. I was like, I know so little about this character. I thought that was like his older brother coming back from someplace. And then it took me like a half an hour before I was like... Where'd that other kid go? Oh, this is the same kid. Okay. Well, that's how little that's I how knew. Sh- well, and that's how shittily they outlined it in the film. They, they right. That's what they did not. This was not a cohesive film. It just wasn't good in that respect. They had no idea what they were doing as far as telling the story. Yeah. Me, myself. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't hate it like you know everybody else. Did. I, I mean, I, it wasn't very good. It's not going to get very high rating for me, but as far as the film goes itself, and I just thought it was a completely lazy writing. I, when you, your first dialogue in the film past your lame narrator is just these kids just spouting fuck out of the mouth like every 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 sentence, and I thought that was just like just fuck for this fuck for for the save for s- saying fuck for the sake of saying fuck, and 
I said that word a couple times in that sentence, but they are, I said it to reiterate the point that these kids, uh, I guess their parents were around to, to slot them with a wooden spoon every once in a while, which of these families kind of highly doubt that. Um, I like the beatnik sister. She, she, she was fun, you know? You guys mentioned the Wonder Years. She kind of reminds me of the, as the sister in that, that show where she's, uh, very anti-establishment and I think James Gandolfini and Dan Loria from the Wonder Years have a lot in common, <laughs> you know. No, no. Which one was she? Is she the one that the guy had sex with, or the one that the guy had sex with? Probably a little bit of both, dude. You know. Okay, because I, I couldn't tell them apart either. They're so interchangeable, you know. <laughs> I liked her records, though, man. They were they were pretty banging, you know. The ones she wasn't painting on. Is that overcalling them now? Okay. <laughs> All right, when we did see him having sex on the sofa, was that with the sister or was that with the girlfriend? Because that was the with Charlie very, Watts. Because the very, the I was so confused because the very next scene was him like laying in bed with a girlfriend, and I was like, oh, okay, well they had sex. Well, why did we need to see that? Because it wasn't pivotal or anything; it meant nothing. Well, then later on, she's like, you know, basically, you were banging my sister, and I'm like, wait, when was that your sister? Because fuck, I didn't realize that's what was happening. <laughs> Whatever it was, it looked very awkward, you know. Well, because then he said no. He said, no, she's a liar and she's crazy. And I'm like, well, she kind of is. So <laughs> maybe I believe him because I just watched this movie and you can't prove to me that that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this is one of those films where they, 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 they sing the songs themselves, I'm guessing, but they just don't sound very good. Like, they think they're good enough to cut a demo, but I don't think they really are, but they want to be stars like them Rolling Stones, I guess. Well, at least one kid does. Um, like X said, you know, the, the, the impact of him hitting that pole should have killed him instantly, because, you know, no helmet. And yeah. Uh, so that was unbelievable. You just say, okay, he has, a, he, has a head, he has a head injury, and now the band is over. I'm like, yay, the band is over, because they're fucking terrible. They're terrible to each other. <laughs> That is kind of funny at that moment. With that's when Brian came once waltzing into the living room, and then he just he just comes walking in, and the guy hits the tree, and he goes, "And that's why motorcycle helmets are a law." And then he, <laughs> he walks right back out. <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, that's that's that was as much as he was interested." <laughs> I, I think the parents were the most interesting characters in the entire movie, you know, which is which you shouldn't say in a movie like this, but it's just true. Yeah, uh, I really wish Chris McDonald had had more to do in this. He really didn't, you know, besides putting his daughter in a mental hospital and basically playing the same character he did in SLC Punk, but in the 60s rather than the 80s. Kind of kind of interchangeable in a way, you know. I, 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 did, I didn't sell out, I bought in kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Gandolfini, who seems like a real mean bass in this movie, probably is, but he's one of those mean basses that are kind of set in his ways. But he does have some very tender moments with the son because in the movie, I, I don't recommend this movie for you guys to watch, but he's, he's dying of cancer. So the, he um, basically has these conversations with the son about how you're going to do things differently when you, when you become the man of the house. And then his son just throws that shit out the window and just leaves home. And dad's fine with this. You know, I'm going to be dead. Your mother's going to be all by herself, but you, you kids go have fun. You know? And uh, that, that's a... Uh, that's the thing in this movie. So just a whole bunch of like selfishness and craziness and dumbness in this movie with some some decent tunes that should have been sang by other people. And those versions by the people are better better versions of the songs. So, um, 
not not recommended. But I'm gonna stick it to our guest, Mike. Give us your rating one through ten, and if you have anything else to say about the movie, go ahead. I think I've said just about everything I can say. Um, ooh, I mean, it's it's probably down there around a two. Yeah, I, I I'm with that. Uh, Jamie. Um, hmm. I may go a little higher. I might say three. Um, <laughs> you're really pushing I, it. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying to be generous here. No, I just, I, it's really, I think, no, now I'm actually even more mad. So maybe I'll knock it back down to a two because I was going to say for Christopher McDonald, who is actually an actor that I love dearly and I wish that he did more. And it really pisses me off that he didn't do anything in this movie. So that was a wasted that was totally wasted as far as I'm, I'm concerned. You know, you didn't need him at all. You could have gotten anybody to play that role. So, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I got it. It's a, fuck it, it's a two. I I didn't, I did not enjoy my time with this film. Look, lucky for me, I can go watch Grease too and cheer myself up with the, that lack of Christopher, McD- Christopher McDowell in this movie. I can go watch a bunch of them that you may want or may not want in Grease too. So, uh, even trade maybe? I don't know. Hmm? No? Okay. X. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was going to rate this a four, and then I got into this conversation, and like Jamie, yeah, I'm even more pissed now. So, um, yeah, this is just a bunch of smug, self-centered white kids appropriating the blues badly and butchering rock and roll songs. So, yeah, it's a two. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a series of twos. It's not very good. Like, like, uh, Mike said there's been other movies that have tackled the subject better than this movie. And uh, we've already done the commitment, so I, I couldn't pick the commitment to do this show, obviously. Um, Had you seen this film before? No, this was total, like I seen that I was looking for stuff to do to, to, for this show. Okay. And I watched the trailer and it looked interesting. And then we watched it and it wasn't interesting. <laughs> so it's, it's real, you know... Reel it in. It, it, the fish looked small when we were all done watching it, but and the perspective that I was looking in the in, in the water, it looked very big, flopping around in the water. So, big fish, little fish, movie fucking sucked. It gets two from all of us, and not not a recommendation. So, but um, let, let's uh move on from this point and uh talk about some some angry girls who ain't giving up no snatch. And ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains, right at the break. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top-notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy The Projection Booth. Every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience, a wonderful companion to the films they cover. The Projection Booth is awesome. A wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary, thoroughly researched, very entertaining, and always informative. The amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold. Interviews, critiques, music, 
trailers. These are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. But the projection booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Fired. I need the money. Corinne Burns, what are you going to do? My name is not Corinne Burns. Oh, what is it? It's third degree burns. I'm the lead singer and manager for the Stains. it has become clear to several thousand very young women inspired by an unreported rock and roll band with see-through blouses and white stripes in their hair that life is to be lived right now. You are going to be really good. Can't explain it. What it really amounts to is uh, girl dropouts who are using the media. She said things that I've always wanted to say, and I haven't been able to. We're the stains, and we don't put out. We weren't like that, were we, Brenda? No, we weren't. You are moving so fast. You're happening so fast. You can't afford to be loyal to this guy. Why are you still hanging around here? Why don't you just go back to wherever it was you came from? You've got a lot to learn, you little bitch. Yeah, I want to see the world free. I want to see the Entertainment presents a Lou Adler film. Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains. DVD and soundtrack now available. Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains from 1982. Plot synopsis is this. After her mother's death, teenager Corinne Corinne Burns forms a punk band with her sister and cousin despite their lack of musical experience and talent. And how? This stars the, the very young and most attractive to me, Diane Lane, as as Corinne, and uh, Laura Dern is in this movie as well. Is, there, is, it, is, that, is that her sister or her cousin? I forget now. That, that's her sister. That's her cousin. Cousin, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's directed by the great Lou Adler, which I can kind of tell by watching this movie that it was a Lou Adler film before his name popped up on the screen. So, <laughs> but it, um, it just like I said before, is it, it that's the, the the plot synopsis kind of sums it up. They become bigger than they are, and then they, they fall really, really fast. And they get big again. But I'm going to start with X and ask him what he thought of the film. <laughs> um, this is a great cast, and I think the casting is really the, the best part of this film. I mean, shit, I'd pay to see a band that had, what, The Clash's basses, two guys from The Sex Pistols, and Ray Winstone? Yeah, I, I will pay to see that. Um, I think... For me, though, there's a huge philosophical problem with this movie. Corinne is not punk rock. 
She's not. She's a bitch, and there's a huge difference. She never really has an opinion about anything uh, besides who she hates. And she's come up with a few phrases that sound cool, and that's it. I mean, fuck. Even Johnny Rotten looked past himself once in a while. You know, Corinne never does. When Winston comes out towards the end and tells you know, the whole crowd that's there to see the stains that, that she's a sham, he's absolutely right. She's a package. She falls into that package so easily. She lies to the media about who she is and what she's doing. Uh, you know, telling that reporter that you know, Feeway Bill's bassist was in love with her. Such a fucking crock. So to me, this isn't a rock and roll movie. This is a movie about how to become a media sensation. And I don't think that the character has the, the heart or the brain or the spirit to really be punk rock. I grew up in the 80s. We would have sniffed that shit out immediately back in the day. It was like when they tried uh, to market 66 Sputnik as an alternative band back in the 80s or a punk band. No, that did not work. They were a brand. They were not a band. And that's the same thing with the Stains. So at the end, when Corinne sells out and basically becomes Kim Wilde and is still singing the song about, you know, the professionals, that is depressing as shit to me. But it makes perfect sense. I mean, I guess, I don't know, is that supposed to be a happy ending because they made a lot of money? Is that what was happening? I don't know. To me, that's a betrayal. I know a lot of punk bands got popular, but the ones that really got popular, it happened despite themselves. They didn't seek it. They didn't go after that. Um, They they became the Go-Go's, essentially, because... The Go-Go's were a punk band at the beginning, and then they became like the pop sensation, if you will. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing, because I think if you in in that era, and it's and it's probably different now, but in that era, I, it, you know, if you went after that fame just for the sake of being famous, then you're no better than any fucking Disney kid being extruded out through the public relations fuzzy pumper. And you know what? And they never got a fucking drummer, and that pissed me off. So it's a good movie, but I'm I'm disappointed in it on a on a whole different level. <laughs> Fair enough, Mike. Yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from as far as she's one of the least likable protagonists that I've seen in a long time. But at least she's a protagonist, you know, maybe anti-hero or. She might even be an antagonist. I really at the heart of the movie is Ray Winstone for me. And mm-hmm. just seeing him and his relationship with her and with all the other people in that's one of those things where I'm just like, that's Ray Winstone. I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around it while I'm watching this. Um just amazing to see young Ray Winstone, one of those guys who you never really thought ever was young but here's photo proof of it you know just yeah i really i i love the music in this i really like what they have to say about selling out i mean just that she steals his song and makes it a hit and it's just oh it's it's it just sticks a knife in your belly when you're watching this movie. It is so great in that way. And I love that it was uh, written by a woman, the same woman that wrote Slapshot and a whole lot of other stuff, just writing these really complex characters and making our female lead not the most likable person in the world, to, you know, to, to coin your phrase, a bitch a lot of the time. 
very confused. Just sometimes it feels like she's rebelling for rebelling's sake. And yeah, sometimes you just want to like shake her and be like, come on, get a grip, you know, quit, quit lying, quit, you know, get, get some talent, do some practicing. I love that they sound like the shags quite a bit throughout this movie. Cause they just have no <laughs> talent whatsoever. Um, and then, yeah, it was great seeing, um, you know, uh, Paul cook and, and, and um, why am I blanking on Steve? Um, Steve Jones. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols in here. I mean, in that they wrote that professional song. I was just like, wow, there's a lot of talent to these guys. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of those movies I come back to it every I don't know five six years or something, and every time I watch it, it gives me a little bit more. So I, it it uh, it's one of those movies that I, I think more people need to check out. Yeah, me myself, I um, I uh, I, I liked it for what it was. I mean, I, I I could appreciate that our 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 hero or whatnot or bitch or whatever you want to call her is just an angry youth who lost her mother, so she had no real direction except for her bitchy aunt, and so I guess she wanted to go do something. But at, at the same time, this film reminds me of of, of Tommy in, in a lot of ways because she, she she basically is this this nothing who I guess is trying to helps the world's youth learn or practice what she's preaching, I guess, about not not putting out. And I guess that's a positive message. If I had to give her something positive about anything is that she's telling the young girls not to uh, give their vaginas away, you know, <laughs> to just any old any old fella. Um, but yeah, she she gets big in like a week, and then she, she ditches her... her uh, what's the Rastafarian manager's name in this movie? But he's easily my favorite character of the entire movie, and I, I forget his name. Uh, shit, shit, shit. Hold on. Yep, I, I forget him. And, but he, um, he, he's basically like this chill dude that all, all he wants to do is uh, drink Red Stripe and and try, try to put push these girls on the right path. But of course, Green sets in with this other manager who makes them big in like a week, and you know. But when I say Tommy, it's almost like they have their own legion, their own holiday camp, and. Complete with a concession bar. Buy, buy your stained skirts. Buy your stains <laughs> hair dye. Oh yeah, it's with that shot when she looks out in the audience, there's all those girls dressed exactly the same with the same hairdo and everything. It's like, wow, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, I love that the agent is uh, David Clennon, the guy who uh, was in uh, the thing. It's like it's whatever. It, his line is. Uh, you got to be fucking kidding me. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait for the, 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 the Stains fans, the skunks to, to start taking off their, their, their blouses, their see-through blouses and just start screaming, we're not going to take it. And just like <laughs> killing the Stains on stage, which have been the perfect ending of this movie. Cause at the end, not only Corinne, but her, her bandmates as well, were just as vapid as she was about their success. You know, t- time is money. M- mime is money, as they say, you know. But uh, <laughs> I'll use that line in every podcast. I don't even fucking care, you know. <laughs> either, either you appreciate the Spinal Tap joke or you don't, you know. But, um, yeah, they had the same attitude she had. So if they got bludgeoned by their fans on stage at the end of this movie and then, you know, roll credits, that would have been a fitting end to this movie because, you know, there, there was no lesson learned until the end, of course, when they sold out. And got this stuff on Red Stripe Records. And, uh, yeah. I, I, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was their manager's name Lawn Boy? I Is think, that who it was? Yeah, yeah. He, yes, he didn't have a reg- yeah Lawn Boy. He didn't have a regular name. Okay. <laughs> Barry Ford. Yeah. But he he seemed like he wanted the best for them, and they like you know he was just sitting there playing his OG uh, Formula One video game. Like yeah, whatever. You bitches are gonna fall in like a week, and he wasn't wrong. You know. Oh man. But yeah, as as far as the film goes, though, I've never seen it before. I've heard of it before. I I've a slight obsession with Diane Lane in in this era. I'd say from from Six Pack right through Streets of Fire. Pa- past that, she she's not too attractive to me. I call it, it's like Helen Hunt. Anything past girls just want to have fun. She's just okay, you know. And uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed her for what it was about a bunch of vapid girls who don't really learn their lesson because they kind of you know yeah. You're waiting for him to fall again, but it doesn't happen because it's a really happy, perky video, uh, video, uh, music video ending to it. Right, go go right through the credits. So, nobody's learned nothing. So that that's a big negative for this film. So nothing's learned. But uh, Jamie, I don't know where Jamie is, but I'm gonna we're gonna close this out right now with uh, Mike's rating one through ten, sir. What is it? I give this movie a pretty solid seven, if not an eight, because I, I really like it. Um, and like I said, it's one that I've seen many times, so, uh, it still stands up for me. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. I like that it's a challenging film. Um, I can see, I can really see where people wouldn't like it, but I dig it. Um, X? I don't hate it. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just disappointed. So, I'll, five. I give it a 5 out of 10. I think if it's anything like Tommy, though, that we really should have gotten Christine Lottie in a baked bean bath. <laughs> baked bean bath slash champagne bath. Yeah, that would have been all right. Just writhing around in that disgusting soup. What's interesting is she and Hedvig have the same wig. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I guess I feel the way about pork and beans like I feel about uh, Nutella. Looks like Dookie on toast, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, with that, we'll move on to our next and last review of this fictional band issue show. Being uh, whew, probably the one we're probably the most positive things to say about, in, in my opinion. Oh, I didn't rate the film either. I give Ladies and Gentlemen the Fabulous Stains a solid 7. I'll have to watch it again, but then the rating might get higher because of my love for that Diane Lane person. But um, yeah, next up, Hedwig and the Angry Itch. If you like that sort of thing, I I, I liked it. First time watch, people. So so that's a big spoiler right there. But we'll get into it uh, right after this. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I tell you, ladies and germs, that ghoul friend of mine makes me so crazy. She told me she thought she'd look good in something long and flowing. So I threw her in the Mississippi. Are you seeking discussion of horror on the small screen? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast. Join your hosts, Mike Nyman, Brian Sammons, Jamie Sammons, and a large variety of guests as we break down all the favorites and not-so-favorites in horror TV. So grab a snack. And of course, be sure to grab... Join us for Evil Episodes Podcast on the Horror Feeling Network and Legion Network of Podcasts.
Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary, I liked it. Most episodes they look at two different horror movies. Each episode they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Hmm. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook... Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Um. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not... Ow! Hedwig! Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. How did some slip of a girly boy become the internationally ignored song stylist barely standing before you? Damn, I can't believe you're not a girl. Looks like we got some sugar daddies in the house. You could give me a cavity, honey. Now you're interested, huh? Inch, not itch. Intrigue. It is clear that I must find my other half. But is it a he or a she? Can two people actually become one? In the late mid-80s, I was in my early, late 20s. I never knew that woman before that night, and I never knew she wasn't a woman. I've got a sweet tooth. Songs exploded out of us. We were outgrossing monster trucks in Wichita. When it comes to huge openings, a lot of people think of me. I had tried singing once, and they threw tomatoes. After the show, I had a nice salad. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, both of you. Did you put a bra in a dryer? How many times do I have to tell you? You don't put a bra in a dryer! It warps! Okay, everybody. I put on some makeup. And the angry itch. When I think about all the people I have come upon in my travels, I have to think about the people who have come upon me. <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Itch from 2001. Uh, your plot synopsis is this. A transgender punk rock girl from East Berlin tours the U.S. with her band as she tells her story life story and follows the her the former lover slash bandmate who stole her songs this stars a lot of people that I don't know who they are so if you guys want to give your input on that uh, you guys can go ahead and do that uh, Mike do you have any input on that on the cast well John Cameron Mitchell as Hedvig uh, herself um, 
was the writer of this, wrote the uh, the book, wrote the the story for it, uh, also directed. Uh, I believe it was his directing debut. And then uh, the the we were talking a little bit about Andrea Martin uh, as uh, Hedvig's manager, uh, who's kind of sporadically in the movie and then michael pitt uh, who's tommy gnosis who apparently in the original play was also played by john cameron mitchell and there's kind of a mirror scene at the end of this so you can kind of see why they might have played you know he might have played both roles but uh, michael pitt a lot of people i recognize him always from murder by numbers but a lot of people will recognize him from funny games he was one of the two psychopaths in funny games and then apparently he was just in ghost in the shell as well so he's he's actually had a long career surprisingly um not surprisingly because he's a you know a bad actor or anything just surprisingly that he's been in a ton of stuff and he's been acting since he was really young i mean he looks like such a baby in this even though he's probably in his early 20s already sweet um i'll ask x first uh what did you think of the film sir i am really late to this party um, um i didn't watch it until yesterday and then i watched it twice yesterday um somehow i got the idea that this movie was about a drag queen with a tiny talking penis kind of like chatterbox i guess except i don't know talky schlong so i never i really want to see that so i I just, just never got around to it so yesterday like i said i watched it once by myself and then when my wife got home uh, I said, you've really, you, you need to see this movie. And um, it this may be one of the greatest musicals I've ever seen. I'm actually still trying to process it. It, it, I don't, I don't, it, it caught me off guard, especially considering what, you know, I, I thought it was. Um, I think, the, <laughs> I think that these songs in this movie are incredible. Um, John Cameron Mitchell is a scrawny, amazing little motherfucker. And I've been saying all day online that Miriam Shore as Yitzhak looks just like X-Pac, and that kind of freaks me out. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I need to see this a few more times. I'm really angry at myself that I waited so long to pull the trigger on this one. It's just a great story. It's extremely sad most of the way through, but ultimately it's very hopeful and kind of joyous. So yeah, I think... I think everyone should see this movie. Maybe to a point, my wife and I were talking last night. It's like, wow, how would you introduce this movie to, like, my dad, you know? Who's, <laughs> like, a very conservative person. He's going, ah, it's about immigration? I don't know. Um, anyway, I think this will probably end up in my all-time top ten, because I, I liked it that much. And you can probably guess what my rating on this will be. So, there you go. I don't really... I don't really have anything intelligent to say about it. Just kind of, that was really good. So, there you go. <laughs> Let's like they're doing this as a, as a, a point in the film. I, I love this happens. Let's follow the bouncing ball, if you will, and move on to Jamie. What did you think of Hedwig? Am I the only one who sang along when we were following the bouncing ball? I, you should. <laughs> you should. Because that's what they want you to do. Because I, totaled, I totally do. I, um. <laughs> I, I sang. Good. Uh, this movie was uh, first introduced to me by an old roommate that I had who uh, – he was gay and uh, we used to go to drag shows all the time and we hung out with drag queens and um, 
and he was just like, you got to see this movie. You got to, we got, and he hadn't seen it yet either, but he was like, we, you know, I really want to watch this movie. I really want to watch this movie. So we did. And I loved it. And I have not seen it since then, except for this. And so I was really excited to watch it again. And I loved it just as much as I did back then. Um, John Cameron Mitchell, to me, him and he and drag does not stop reminding me of Juliette Lewis the entire time. <laughs> and, <laughs> I can not totally see that. Now that you say it, I'm just like, okay, yeah. I, I can't help it. The whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm just picturing Juliette Lewis, Juliette Lewis, Juliet. <laughs> but um, it's a very, it's, uh, there's so many parts about this film that are heartbreaking and there's so many parts that are fun. I think it's a perfect balance. Um, it takes you on like a little emotional ride. And I really want one of those foam head things with the wings, the, uh, the Hedvig hair. I want that. I just, uh, this, it's a joy to me. I love the music in this. Um, the songs are just, I think, fantastic. Now, this is a, this is a film to me in direct opposition to the first film that we talked about that knows how to tell a story. And, uh, I'm really engaged the entire time, uh, finding out uh, how the journey goes. I, I'm just I'm sucked in, and uh, it's it's interesting and sad and beautiful and and wonderful. And uh, I love the faces that the old white people make in the restaurants when they're <laughs> when they're performing. That cracks me up. Um, the car wash joke. I love that um, with the fringe on the skirt. Yeah, you know, that that cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's a car wash. <laughs> he, he's totally into it too, that old man. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's the there's the the missing piece bit that um, the tattoo that I just I, I think that's a beautiful way to end the film. It. I don't know. I um, this is just a really fantastic. Ugh, I don't know. Film, yes. Musical, yes. It's all of that. I think it's great. And I, there are probably few people that I know that I wouldn't recommend this to just because I tend to hang out with cool people. But, um, like, I even think my mom would dig this. And she hates musicals. But I think she would actually get a kick out of this. So, you know, I love it. Love it. Great. Uh, Mike? Yeah, it's funny. With this one, I picked up the soundtrack for this poof, months before I finally saw the movie and I loved the soundtrack and it's one of those things where when I put it and this kind of dates me but when I would put it into my CD player in my car it would stay there for months on end because I would just listen to it on a loop and it's one of those where I'm almost afraid to listen to the song sometimes because they'll get stuck in my head for days afterwards. I mean, these songs are incredible and they're so varied, you know, the, that we have like a country and Western song, you know, the, I mean, the, we are freak song is just this kind of thrash kind of thing. I mean, there's so many different styles of music within the one musical. I really admire that. The first time I saw the, the movie, I didn't really care for it. I was just like, Oh, this didn't live up to what it was supposed to be in my head. And I think also kind of the kind of the fractured time narrative, which is funny because Jamie's saying like this is so much easier to follow than um, not fade away. 
even though this is told through a series of flashbacks and kind of avant-garde pieces and there's there's uh, animated sequences and all this kind of stuff but it's true it is so much easier to follow because you're interested in these characters second time i watched it i loved it since then i've loved this movie but the first time i was just like eh but so I would say if anybody is turned on to watch this movie and they don't like it the first time, watch it a second time and run out and buy the soundtrack. Any of the versions are all they're all phenomenal. And I wish like all get out that I had been able to see this with Neil Patrick Harris, with John Cameron Mitchell, just see any version of this that ever played on stage. But the movie version is phenomenal. And like I said, these songs are so good. Yeah, the, the, the tunes are infectious. I, I'll, I'll agree nine ways to Sunday because this is the first time I ever watched this movie. I've heard of its, you know, reputation. That sounds like a bad thing for me to say reputation of this movie. But just that, the, the, you know, I've heard about it and how, how great it is. And it's like, much like I've heard like how, how good Priscilla is. I haven't seen Priscilla either. Oh, it is wonderful. That's another great movie. Totally different than this movie. Uh, Yeah, but but it's funny because I almost name-checked it when I was talking about this movie. And it is totally different, but um, I I feel like if you're a person who enjoys Priscilla, then you Mm -hmm. will get something out of this. And Gary, I can't believe you haven't seen Priscilla. That is so Do you know how long my shame list is? The the shame list is vast. You know, you got to try to get to everything, you know? That's a movie we used to watch. That and with this same same roommate that I was talking about, we used to watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Muriel's Wedding. (laughs) Just practically on loop. Like, those were his his two favorite movies. Those those, those ABBA-obsessed movies, which I watched the the first five minutes of Mamma Mia, which I enjoy ABBA's music, but what I gathered from the first five minutes that Amanda Seyfried really wanted to fuck her potential fathers... It just, that's what it seemed to me. You know, I'm just a sick motherfucker, though, so. <laughs> I loved Mamma Mia, too. I, I really love ABBA, though. And I um, I actually saw that movie, I think it was Christmas Day uh, when I saw that movie um, in the theater. And that was just, a, that was so much fun. Because everyone in the audience, it was crowded and everyone was singing along through the whole thing. It was just, that was just a really fun experience. Well, so. well, much like with Helen Mirren, I have an unhealthy obsession with uh, Christine Baranski as well. I don't know what that is. <laughs> she's got, oh, yeah. she's got nice yeah. legs, and I'm attracted to that, you know. You have to see Priscilla, and for a little while, it might still be on uh, Xfinity On Demand. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, oh, there's nothing really on. Let's put on Priscilla, and, and you can watch it back to back. I've watched Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert, probably three times in a row before. Well, I asked these two. My, my my digital collection is vast, and I'm sure it'll make it in there at some point in time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the movie itself, I had a lot of fun with the characters. Um, I, I I had a lot of questions about what's what's Xbox's name again? Uh, X, Yeetsock. Yeah, Yeetsock. Who, who I'm just going to call Xbox throughout this review because he looks just like <laughs> a DX era Xbox, right down to the bandana, <sighs> and uh. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't really tell if he was in love with Hedvig or not. It, it, it really seemed that way because it just seemed like that he thought that either Hedvig was trying to sully his talent or or just like he's like it had an un, unrequited love for, for Hedvig and that's why he wanted to go do his own thing. But the movie itself was a lot of fun. 
the songs are, is an understatement. They're, they're, they're really they're really a great collection of songs that, that tell a story, a cohesive story, along with the animatics and along with the the, the flashbacks. Uh, this is, like these guys said, it's tragic as hell. The the, the parts with the where the the, the the cop falls in love with 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 um our lead character of the call but he was called Hedvig back in those days, but th- that's Hansel. Uh, it was called Hansel. Yeah, he fell in love with Hansel, and um, c- kind of let him go when Hansel had the big change. So he found another boy toy, and that was really tragic. And it, it, but along with the tragedy, you get a lot of jaunty tunes that you, you'll enjoy. So it's like a big old show, and so in a way, it kind of makes you forget your worries about these, these this bad stuff that's happening to these people. About you know a person who brought up and loved this person that became much bigger than them by basically forgetting about them and stealing everything they've ever done and in that obsession there and head big wins in the end let's put it that way people because uh obscurity whatever uh yeah but uh, I'm really I'm really underselling this movie but I I shouldn't have to tell you guys but from what these guys have told you that it's a great movie. I've only watched it once, but I'm sure there's going to be more viewings of it. And, um, yeah, great characters, great time, great music. It's my kind yeah, of show. The, that scene in the trailer where they finally kiss after, what, eight months? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, he reaches down to touch her, and he's like, what is And, like, he pulls away, and she's like, that's what I have to work with. And I'm I'm just, oh, God, it just tears me up. The, that that whole scene just just... Because it, it goes from pure elation to, I mean, it's just like, you know, ah, like you can hear angels singing. Like, it's like this is the moment that Hedvig has been waiting for and, and so incredibly happy. And it goes from that just plummets down to deep depression in a, a span of just a few seconds. And it's really powerful. I, I wouldn't have ran away like the, a bitch like he did, but yeah, I, I would I would have almost had the same reaction so i can't really talk shit about him. well i mean if you're not expecting something yes. I, you know i get <laughs> it if you're not expecting something you're not but it's still it's still i honestly felt like after that long of a period of time i thought he was aware you know mm-hmm. and just was avoiding it but knew about it so when you find out that he didn't even i mean it's just oh shit you know it's 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 crazy I get his reaction, you know. It's, yeah. It's, well, it seems like in that scene where the the it kind of goes silent and there's the bomb that's falling, the noise of the bomb that's falling. Yes, I would think yeah. that was him talking about Luther and the sex that's, change and all that stuff. That's exactly what I thought happened, and because then you see kind of the look on his face then, and then he says. He asks a follow-up question when she finishes that story, and I don't remember what the actual question is, but then it's kind of not what I would expect had that just been the bomb that was dropped. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord? Exactly, okay. (laughs) And uh, which also, you know, that could, okay, that seems like if he was a Jesus freak, which is how she described him, then that seems like that would be a reasonable follow-up question for him to ask had she just dropped that major bomb on him, which I thought from the bomb sound that that was what was being dropped. So it kind of makes me wonder, well, what the hell did you tell him then? (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) or did you tell him that and he just didn't know about the inch? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, was it just specifically that was he expecting a, uh, you know, run of the mill vagina? You know, so, yeah, I'm not 
I don't know, but either way, it tears me up. I mean, it just, it's, yeah. I don't want to sound insensitive, but when you say the words run-of-the-mill vagina, it makes me laugh like a little boy sometimes. You know? <laughs> and by that, and uh, I don't, I hope not to offend anyone, but by that, what I mean is, you know, uh, an average, a regular, a, a run-of-the-mill vagina. She's <laughs> you know? so judgmental. Like, you know what, that girl over there, I bet she just has a plain vagina, nothing special about her Very vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would give that vagina a five. <laughs> take, take, take your knives and go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doug. Meanwhile, Nixon. Melania's vagina is a ten. Ivanka's at least a nine. <laughs> if she wasn't my daughter. I'd give her a ten. Great. He looks great. <laughs> so you tell me he's 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 the Dario Argento of, of political leaders, uh, Mike? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Scoozy, Here we scoozy. go. Scoozy, scoozy. <laughs> oh, that joke's never going to leave this podcast next. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Oh, my God. But uh, Have you seriously ever seen a man so eager to see his daughter naked before, though? <laughs> never. Never that. <laughs> it's integral to the dramatic integrity of the film. Okay. So, so pick some, pick some other puffy Italian bird than to be your naked girl in the movie. Then she works cheap. <laughs> She's union. That's good enough. He said, uh, "My daughter. She worked for scale." Ah. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna Jamie. Uh, what? What? Any yeah. more feelings about the film? And what's your rating? One to ten. Oh man. Oh. I'd say this is, oh, this is like a nine. I really love this movie. And it's beautifully put together. I just, and oh my God, some of the shots. Wow. Just wow. So, I mean, and he wrote and directed this film, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah so. And Steve Trask, who did uh, all the songs. Yeah. Yeah. So damn. I mean, I just think it's, it's, um, it's, and that could just solely be in contrast to. To the previous <laughs> film I discussed, but, but no, not really. It is. It is just. I think it's just that good. It's. It's. It's pretty phenomenal. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Mike. Yeah, I would give this one. Yeah, probably a nine. Um, it's like I said. I I listen to the soundtrack all the freaking time. I, I've bought the Wig in a Box uh, tribute album. The Broadway cast recording the regular soundtrack, so I mean I'm I'm uh, what they call them in the movies. I'm a headhead, so I'm I'm right there. If I had the big, you know, foam wig, I'd be wearing one as well. So yeah, it's it's a terrific film, and I would pay money to see that. Well, you know, next time we hang out, I'll have to do that. <laughs> X. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is a 4,000. <laughs> Beautiful. So there you go. Liked it a lot. That's a 10 for me. Sweet. Uh, me, myself, and I, uh, but both, uh, we all three of us love this movie. It, it was it was a good time. It was one of the best uh, first-time watches I've ever had. And uh, I'm going to give it, and well, I only watched it once. So it, it lowers the grade, but not in a bad way. If that means anything to you guys. So, it's an 8 for right now, but I'm sure the rating will go higher with multiple viewings. 
Um, but yeah, with that... It did for Mike. Yeah, it did, did for Mike, yes, indeed. <laughs> with that, we'll uh, come back, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll close out our Aja, I mean the show, and uh, see you guys soon. Once there was a show called the Not-So-Evil Episode Sidecast. It was a long name, Batman. No one could ever remember it. They released 25 episodes of brilliant film criticism. And like that, he's gone. Now, six months later. We're back. I didn't know we were gone. We've got a brand new name, new movies to review, but the same old attitude. Foul language and obscure references? Count me in. Each episode, we pick a topic, watch four movies related to that topic, then bicker amongst ourselves to decide which film is the best. We're the theme warriors! Join Iris, Jeffrey X. Martin, Doug Tilly, and myself for Theme Theme Warriors. Warriors. Four people, four movies, one dynamite show. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Horophilia Network of Podcasts, as well as the Legion Podcast Network. That's the Theme Warriors! Don't want to sleep no more! Who are you people? In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, damn you! God! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story? His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more purposes. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, illness, or attempt to my cause. My back guarantee is worth nothing. Zero, 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 Mike, uh, thanks for coming back again and coming on with us and doing about these movies that are kind of pretty good except for the one. That's some bad English there, man, but thanks for coming, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to finally uh, be giving my beef, as it were. <laughs> um, you got anything uh, special coming up you want to talk we're about? we're happy sir? to take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd make a uh, joke right there, but I'm not going to. Well, we've got an episode um, coming up on They Live, which I'm excited for. I mean, really, I'm always excited about all the episodes. I'm, I'm currently working on an episode about um, American Psycho, uh, which is kind of coming together pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, this is just, it's a strange year this year because I'm watching a lot of movies and talking about a lot of movies that I've never seen before, um, but that's okay. So it's it's introduced me to a lot of good things that I would have kind of let slide by uh and things that i always had on that that list of shame that you're talking about i've had so many things on there and this is kind of finally kicking me in the ass so like i finally saw the red shoes never would have watched it otherwise probably so i'm so glad that i finally did great it's like good to well like i said mine's probably a lot more vast than yours is because i i can't even, i've lost count of the stuff that i should be watching instead of you know rewatching episodes of the league you should be watching <laughs> something else but you know i it's just more accessible, the little 24 minutes before I go to sleep, you know? Um, but yeah, it all sounds great, man. 
I'm going to put it to X besides, you know, his, his uh, stepdaughter's upcoming nuptials, which, you know, we recorded another show before then, but congratulations to Rhea and Brady on your upcoming nuptials. I'm very happy for you both. What else do you have going on, sir? We ain't getting shit done until after that's done. That's <laughs> uh, just... That's consuming our entire lives right now. So you can find me on old episodes of Kiss the Goat, um, our podcast about devil movies that I co-host with my wife. Uh, new episodes in May, like I said, after the wedding, because fuck, this is, this is taking up a lot of energy. I ain't mad. Don't get me wrong. I sound like an asshole about it, but I ain't mad. I'm just saying, nah, don't expect anything from me. You can also find me on the Theme Warriors podcast. A new episode of that just dropped uh, today on the day that we're recording, where we look at films where mental illness is not made fun of. So... We tried to take that episode very seriously. It was still a lot of fun, though, because there's one movie that we talk about that's just a giant piece of garbage, and we all hated it, so you need to check out that show. Uh, find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter. Buy my books at Amazon. Visit EldersKeep.com, my official website. Um, come find me when I'm shopping at Food City or Ingalls, and camp out on my lawn. <laughs> uh, Jamie. I am remotely recording from X's lawn right now. <laughs> I'll come out to the balcony and wave here in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I uh, We're about to record the next episode of Evil Episodes, which I mentioned in the beginning that we'll have Matt Wessel joining us for the Walking Dead uh, season finale. We're also going to cover the show Wolf Creek and... Um. Yeah, and then just usual stuff beyond that. I think. Fair enough. Oh, and then masters. We're still in the middle of our masters of horror retrospective, but we're wrapping up uh, the first season. So uh, there's that. And then we just released an episode of the Skeleton Crew because that has been coming out like gangbusters. Like yeah. it's, it's unreal how quickly that show has been coming out. Um, and uh, that's because we found a recording sweet spot where. Um, it's it, like eight o'clock in the morning on Sundays, and uh, it's just it, and that just works uh, for for everyone. And then Alex can bang it out. So we just released an episode where we discuss the witch and the devil's candy. And uh, spoilers, I love both of those movies. Mm-hmm. So I so check out that show. X, watch that movie. I'm telling you. I'm I telling believe you, and I will. <laughs> I, I, I think the trick is to it. to uh, to keep my my dear uh, a friend who who I, I love and adore, Mister Dan Chase, lucid long enough to record, and you know, that's ex- yes, and <laughs> and that that's why eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday works. <laughs> uh, but it's been going beautifully, and I think that maybe oh there should be a new episode of EBC's coming out uh, soon, and um, we've had some technical issues that we've been trying to work around and. Um, that is, I'm determined I'm going to get the next episode out. So um, that pretty much wraps it up, I guess. You, you got That's Jason what I'm Lo- doing right you got, now. You got Jason Lloyd calling you out on Facebook about releasing another episode of Liking It. He were to get him on I know. Show. Well, there's that too. And it's just, honestly, my schedule has just been insane. Well, you know what it, you know how, how now, bad Jay, it's been. If, if anything, you, you're determined. You're going to throw in his face like, yep, here's an episode of Liking It, motherfucker. Take it. You That's know. true, and it should. You know, I should just do it. May um, maybe I'll do that the this weekend or something because it's just me now. I mean, it's not like I have to coordinate any time. I could do it at 
three thirty in the morning if I wanted to. So, mm-hmm. um, I will get that shit done just so I can throw it at him and go, "There, asshole." So, <laughs> <laughs> which I, you know, I deserve that though because I was all, "It's going to no, be coming out regularly," don't. and then that happened once. <laughs> no, you don't so. deserve that. F that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, we just had our fifth anniversary for yeah, a skeleton crew. Fifth anniversary, skeleton. April second, and uh, that was we had some really fun people loaded videos to our group page, and that was really really nice. We had uh, just people were just coming out of the woodwork telling uh-huh. us um, how much they've enjoyed the show over the past five years and being very supportive, and that was wonderful. So, thanks everyone for that. I, I could not do the seductive sounds of one Johnny Gore, but uh, I, I did my best with mine, okay? And you did just fine. That's Trust right. me. It was, it was perfect. It was I'm, perfect. I'm fine with that. I did just fine. A- adequate's where I want to be. <laughs> adequate's great, you know. No, you did You did a fantastic job. I was trying to be nice because I haven't actually finished the Johnny Gore one. That was the one. It's it like it's like twenty five minutes. Long. He's like laying down was, on his back, like yeah, it's six at times. Yeah, Johnny it was Gore. very long, and and I had been watching a lot of videos at that point because I was pretty much doing that all day long, just watching these little videos, and I was like, God, this is really long. <laughs> so I need to go back and finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian, very simple, just sitting on a couch. He needed to be stroking a cat in that video, just you know, to see look like a, more of an evil genius than he did already in that video, you know. I know. Did he not seem the, the the thing I kept thinking about while watching that video was uh, the most interesting man in yes. the world, <laughs> and he just was I don't know the epitome of cool to me when he was just chilling talking, and I was just like I, I'm very proud of him. <laughs> Smoother than Jeff Goldblum and shit. I am. Uh, I love that son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, be myself. Have this show going on, and we're gonna have our fourth anniversary show with the next one. So if you guys want to send in, I'm, I'm asking for submissions of your most overrated movie of all time, if you guys can come up with that. I'm sure everybody's going to have a way different answer than everybody else, but um, somebody might have a, a different, you know, or like answers or whatever. But I'm hoping for some pretty sweet submissions for that, because everybody has their own opinion on certain things, and <clears throat> I have a lot of opinions on that kind of thing, so my choice uh, may surprise you, or not surprise you. Um... But we're also doing a massive Ralph Bakshi nine-film roundtable where Doug Tilly has signed up for that long ago. So he finally decided to pull the trigger on that and see how that firecracker's going to light. And uh, hopefully it goes good. Um, besides that, uh, Two Drink Venom commentaries is still a thing. Although the release schedule has been a little wonky because Midwest weather sucks and it gets caught and it gets cold and then it takes... I'm a little sick right now, but you can hear it in my voice. It, it takes a lot out of you, and I just forget to do stuff sometimes, like put out that Wild Beast com- uh, conversation that was a lot of fun. But that should be out before this episode, so hopefully you guys will enjoy that, about that wild fucking movie where elephants stomp on people's heads and they show ten-year-old girls' boobies for no good reason, and it's just a crazy fucking movie. I really enjoy that movie. Um, besides that, Fleas and Flicks auction... It's happening a week from this Saturday as we're recording this. That's a memorabilia auction uh, benefiting the South Suburban Humane Society in Chicago Heights, Illinois. Uh, they need some 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 blankets and some food, and they do good work there at the for the Fur No Kill Shelter. I, I love that place because they're very uh, open and, and very warm, and they treat those animals good there. So I thought I'd 
paid forward being a animal friend of mine, and and then I, lo- I love animals. You know, I know Mike's a big animal lover, and Jamie and X don't have animals in his house, but he don't, he don't like the animals as well. And uh, when he's not killing cats for the Lamia, huh? It was just that once. It's it was that, just that once. It's just that once. Okay, I'm just checking because that might upset Jamie if you could kill cats for for more Lamias in the. Uh, because once you kill a cat for one Lamia, you're, you just it just keeps on the cycle just repeats itself. And <laughs> yeah, just, and every time I watch that film, I keep hoping the cat comes back to life when he gets spit out by the demon later on. When he's like, "We don't want your cat," you know, I well then bring it back, bring it, and it doesn't happen. I we we actually really like lizards. We just don't have any as of yet. <laughs> but yeah, if you can come on. I I I mentioned the the arrow print. That that's uh, signed by six cast members of Arrow. It's a pretty sweet looking print, and they are very giving as far as you know, giving free autographs to put on that. I think, it, it, I think altogether, out of all the things I got from Heroes and Villains uh, Con, I got like five hundred bucks worth of free autographs. Uh, Robin Lord Taylor, who you guys may know for as the Penguin on Gotham, and he's uh, not the guy that makes stuff explode in Accepted, but uh, the, the the ADD guy in Accepted, Dan Chase. You know, he keeps getting that thing mixed up, but that's fine. And uh, he was in Would You Rather as well, if, if you, if you like that movie. I enjoy that movie. Uh, Mark Boone Jr., who's been in everything, um, but he was in, the, he plays Bobby Elvis on Sons of Anarchy, which is a picture that he signed for, for the people. Uh, James Remar signed a, a Sex in the City picture because he says the ladies will really like this one and I said, okay, okay, James you're Ajax, so I'll forgive <laughs> really, really cool guy, though I would love to talk to him well, from, from what I understand, the only way you could talk to him was if you asked him about the Black Coat's daughter recently, and that's a film that Jamie loves, I hear and she she, <laughs> she really says, you really knocked it out of the park with that movie, and she says, you guys should all watch The Black Coat's Daughter. And Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> None of those things have I said. <laughs> you said things about The Black Coat's Daughter. I said things. I didn't say any of those things. Uh, okay. Except I, the, maybe. I probably yeah. said the. The. <laughs> And other other words that that connect things or begin things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, but yeah, it was it was all it was all fun and all great. I never felt such generosity in my life. But there's other stuff like it's mostly horror stuff. So if you're a horror fan on the, on this horror network known as Legion Podcast, you want a five foot t- tall dolls poster to hang on your wall. If you got the wall space for that, it's a it's an original Italian poster signed by Stuart Gordon and his wife. So. That could be a thing hanging in your home for 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 the the, the highest bidder. So, yeah, that and other good things. Uh, come come join the event page for that, and uh, we really uh really appreciate that. But um, with that, I'm gonna bid you guys adieu. Come listen to all these great shows, the projection booth, and kiss the goat. And Mike's got what's the Kolchak thing, Mike? Ah, uh, that's the Kolchak tapes. Kolchak tapes, and X is on a Kolchak show as well, but they haven't finished it yet. They're they're Still waiting for that crazy Scotsman to finish it with him. Two episodes left. <laughs> Two. <laughs> That's a and here I thought I was the only one doing a Kolchak podcast. You well, go. you are because we're apparently never going to finish this fucking thing. <laughs> but um, yeah. With that, uh, this has been the Sun Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time.
And the lights go down Across the trailer park I get down Until I head home and I put myself to the bed. 